Well, welcome to Sisterhood. We are so excited to begin another semester. And to those of you that have been part of Sisterhood before, I want to say welcome back. And to those of you that are new, I want to say a special welcome. And I want to explain a little bit about what Sisterhood is all about for those of you that have never been before. So this is our second semester of Sisterhood this year. We met in the fall and then we took a break over the holidays. And so now we are starting another semester and we're beginning a new study today. So if you weren't with us in the fall, no worries at all. You can just jump right in because we're all starting something new. And we gather weekly and we sit around a table and we have a teaching or a message every week. And then after that message, which is, it's spoken by a variety of different teachers and all of the teachers are super invested in you and in your growth as a follower of Jesus. So just know that. And then after the message, we follow up with discussion time and some prayer. So we are simply a group of women that love Jesus and we believe in community and the importance of true friendship. We believe that the company you keep matters and that the people you surround yourself and allow to speak into your life, it's something that has a profound impact on you. So since we believe this is true, we work hard to intentionally create an atmosphere that is healthy and beneficial to you no matter what stage of life you're in. We love all the way from middle school all the way to grandmas, okay? We want everyone to be involved in sisterhood. Community is so important and we depend upon people around us for so many uh, benefits that we have in life. Now, Ecclesiastes verses four, not, or chapter four, verses nine through 12, I'm gonna skip verse 11, says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now these verses are gonna remain a main theme for us this semester as we focus on the importance of the company that we keep. We all need people around us to encourage us and strengthen us and lift us up throughout all the seasons of our lives because as we read, two are better than one. We also read that a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now you've probably heard these verses read at a wedding, right? And that verse I skipped, verse 11 was, when two lie down together, they'll be warm, right? <laughs> they use that at weddings. I didn't think that was appropriate for now. <laughs> but we need each other. And so it's not used just for weddings. It's used um, here for friendship as well. Because as we enjoy the company of other women at our table, we can be aware that Jesus is with us. He tells us that in Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So you can think of Jesus as another participant at your table, okay? And he is there and he's fully engaged in your discussion and also in your growth as a believer. So as we focus on the importance of healthy community, 
there, we have to look at the different kinds of community, and there's many different types of community, but most often, the people we make friends with are those that have some type of commonality with us. So maybe your kids are in sports together with other kids and you get to know their parents. Maybe you share a cause that you're really passionate about and so you meet people that way. Um, you may, may share the same life station as someone. Maybe you're single, newly married, maybe you're, you have kids around the same age, or maybe you're like me, maybe you're an empty nester. But these are just earthly, natural criteria, and these are ways to meet friends, and they're fine. Um, we can enjoy someone's company because of these things that we have in common, but these things alone don't create a lasting friendship. We've all had experiences where we've enjoyed someone's company so much that we thought, oh my goodness, we are going to be best friends forever, right? We are going to be BFFs. I've thought that so many times when I've met somebody, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to be best friends. I'm going to be calling her every day. And then it just doesn't work out that way. But, you know, we can meet people everywhere. And um, the things that we have to remember are when we no longer are, have these same commonalities, we might not be friends anymore, and that's okay. It comes and goes. When we no longer live in the same neighborhood or when um, that cause that we were both dedicated to, maybe that cause ends. But however it happens, relationships can drift, and sometimes we might have a falling out with someone, but usually it just happens that we drift away. You know, you move out of the neighborhood or your kids stop playing that sport. It just happens. These kind of friends just come and go based on our circumstances in life. But in this room, we share a commonality that will never change because we are family, because we worship the same Savior. We love Jesus, and this is a bond that will never be severed. So you could have nothing in common with the ladies at your table in the natural, but yet you can have everything in common when it comes to what really matters. So with such a perfect foundation for our relationships, we can much more easily build something that's lasting and that will stand the test of time because we're building these friendships on Christ. So we have our foundation in place. Now we can build upon it by looking at some things in the word of God. But first, let's acknowledge something that we already know, and that is that there's good community and there's bad community, right? and it matters which one we invest in. It's very important that we intentionally choose good community and not settle for what's just easy um, or convenient. I know I've had neighbors in the past that, you know, it's just so easy because they're right there. You can just walk next door, you start chatting, and it's so easy to become great friends, and that's wonderful, but a lot of times, our neighbors could be people that they might just bring us down, right? They might be really negative, they might gossip, and you're like, oh, you were hoping to kind of pull them up, but instead they always seem to pull you down, right? It's just a convenient relationship. Well, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. In other translation, the word for habits is either morals or character. So evil company corrupts your character, your morals, and your habits. You will become like people that you hang around with. 
Paul tells us that you should not deceive yourselves into thinking it won't happen. Again, you might think, oh, great, I'm going to bring the light to this person, which, of course, we all want to do. But we have to be so careful that we're not giving negative people too much of our time if they're bringing us down. Now, every mom of a teenager in this room knows what I'm talking about, right? We all desire for our kids to make wise choices in regards to their friends because we know how impactful their friends are on them. They face so much peer pressure and they want to fit in. And so they'll do a lot of things that their friends are doing, even if they know they shouldn't. So their friends have such an impact on, again, their character, their worldview, their habits, and their morals. Proverbs 14.7 says, Stay away from fools, for you, for you won't find knowledge on their lips. And as easy as it is for us to see how important it is for our kids to have good friends, we need to realize that as adults, we need to have good friendships as well. So we want to have friends that have knowledge on their lips, like this verse says. Now, Proverbs 27, 17 is one of my favorite verses, and it says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And I'm in a mentoring group right now with Charlotte Gamble, and we talked about this verse last week, and it was so incredible, her insight. She was saying how, you know, as women, a lot of times physically we can become low in iron, right? It's something that our body needs. And when we're low in iron, we kind of feel sluggish and tired, maybe apathetic. And she was correlating that with our spiritual life. When, when we don't have enough iron, when we don't have enough people challenging us and sharpening us, we can just become kind of apathetic kind of lethargic, sickly, right? We need people sharpening us. We all need that in our life. And Ephesians 4, 1 through 4 says, As a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank, given to you in your divine calling. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the, in the bonds of peace, being one body and one spirit, as you were all called in the same glorious hope of divine destiny. I love how this passage begins because Paul, the writer here, is talking about people and asking them to walk in holiness. And Holiness is just, you know, trying to be like God. Obviously, we're not perfect, but we try to be holy like him and pure. And something that is suitable to our calling that we've been called to. In other words, when you become a Christ follower, you have accepted a high honor. And this calling carries a responsibility with it to live in a way that brings honor to, to the one that we serve, to Jesus. Much of this is reflected in the way that we treat others. And Paul gave us specific examples of what this looks like. First, he said to have tender humility and quiet patience. Always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another. Wow, that is a high calling, isn't it? Because people can be annoying, right? 
Well, I'm sure none of you are, but he encourages us to be believers that are humble and patient and generous with our love. And I know that nobody in this room is annoying, but let's, uh, let's be honest, we all have bad days, right? And if the day should come when you show up to sisterhood and maybe you're having, maybe someone at your table is having one of those bad days, remember that Paul said we have a divine calling to represent Jesus well. Because we call ourselves Christ followers, our conduct towards other people needs to align with that. So a good, healthy community has a generous amount of love. Now this brings honor to the Lord. And then Paul went on to say, to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body and one spirit as you were called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. So what this is talking about is unity. Unity is so important. And to emphasize this, you can just look around and see how the enemy tries to divide people, right? Divide us in this country, divide friends and family, and, and that's his goal, is to divide us. And Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So let's put all of these scriptures together. And Paul said that it's the power of peace that holds us together, that unity is the, that peace that holds us together, and we are to live in this peace with everyone as best we can. Now, we can't make anyone else choose unity and peace, but we ourselves can choose it. And if we back up a few verses in Romans 12, we can see a list of the ways to live in peace with everyone. Okay, so these are ways we can live in peace, verses 14 through 16. It says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them, pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Now, how many of you know a know-it-all? Right? If you don't know a know-it-all, you probably are the know-it-all. <laughs> Just saying. But the, pas the Passion Translation says that we should be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. I love that. Everyone has value. So my prayer is that we would be people that would find the value in others. And we would draw that out of them. Just think, if, if you could be a person that enjoys the company of anyone because you recognize that they're unique and special. So the key to having the great community at your table is to understand that you play a really important part in your group. Sometimes your role will be to receive, and sometimes your role will be to give out. So I want you to come as you are, and be ready to do both, to either receive or to give. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So friendship is not something that just happens automatically. It takes investment. 
And some of you already know the other ladies at your table, and some of you might not know a single person in this room. But whatever your current relationship is with those people, I can say with confidence that every single person at your table has something to offer. And you have something to offer them as well. You can invest in each other, but the investment doesn't just happen because you're sitting at the table. You have to choose to be involved. Now, there's a saying that there are no strangers here, only friends you haven't met yet. So I love that. We're all going to be friends. You will never meet another person exactly the same as the person sitting next to you, right? Because there's no one else in the whole universe that's exactly the same as the person sitting next to you. She reveals a, a character, an aspect of God that might not have been revealed to you yet. And she has received revelations from God that maybe you haven't. Her experiences are valuable. And one word out of her mouth might make a huge difference in your life. And the same thing goes for you. You could make a huge difference in someone else's life. Now, I've had friends that have, have encouraged me so much in my walk with the Lord. They have taught me how to laugh more, not take myself too seriously. They've encouraged me to step out and do things afraid. And I've had friends that have inspired me so much just by watching them walk through a trial and seeing how unwavering their faith is. It's inspired me. I've had friends that have cried with me and laughed with me, sometimes in the same conversation, right? And each of them has revealed a character of God that in some way I didn't know before. And if you think back over your life and think of some different friendships that you've had, I'm sure you could think as well of different friends that have added something to your life that you didn't have before. Now, investing in other people does require trust. And some people might say, you know what, that's just too risky. I, I've been hurt before, and I've put myself out there, and I've been a friend, and that friendship hasn't been reciprocated. I know that's happened to probably many of you in this room, but what I want to say to you is I want you to try again because it's so worth it. You'll, you'll forfeit all those amazing deposits of goodness of these people if you don't open yourself up. So I'm asking you to give the women at your table that chance to invest into you. Let them be the iron that sharpens iron. Let them speak the truth to you, even if it stings a little bit, right? Let them laugh with you and cry with you and pray with you. That's what we do at Sisterhood. Now, encouragement is a big part of the role of each person in this room. And I think that encouragement a lot of times is underdefined. And what do I mean by that? I mean, a lot of times we think of encouragement as just like cheering someone up. Like, oh, just go cheer them up. Give them some encouragement. But encourage actually means to give courage to. To give or increase confidence of success to inspire with courage, spirit, or strength of mind, or to embolden. There is power in this. And you may come to sisterhood on any given week and be the source of courage that someone needs, or you could be the one who maybe just texts a quick note like, hey, I'm thinking about you, or I just prayed for you. And this one act 
could impart confidence and strength and boldness to your friend. Now, it's really not something that's that hard. It doesn't take a lot of pressure or stress, right, to encourage someone. All you really have to do is love people and think about others. And then let them know that you're thinking about them or you're praying for them. It's not hard, but it is so powerful. It, that little text might put a smile on someone's face, or that prayer might be the lifeline that they've needed to make it through the day. And it could be anywhere in between those two extremes. But we can all do this. And when we choose to be someone that God can use to impart his strength to others, God will give us creative ways to do it if we're just open. So I don't think it would be an overstatement to say that in the world we live in, that community is hard to find. And especially community like we're talking about, right? Based on Christ. Because even the people, I've talked to so many people that are around other people every day, and they said they feel really lonely. And that's sad, and I don't want that to ever be said of us at Sisterhood. I don't ever want anyone to say I'm lonely or friendless, because that's what we're here for. Each of you has something to offer and something to receive in this group called Sisterhood. So would you please come and please invest and join this community of Sisterhood, because it'll be so much better if you're here. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for each and every one of these women. And God, I just pray a blessing over them, God, over their families, over their um, friendships that are about to develop, Lord. And I pray that we would just, um, each one of us would just open ourselves up, God. We would be open and we would trust, God, that you have some beautiful friendships for us if we'll just take that step and we'll make that investment. So God, just build us up in community this semester. Help us to be in your word, God, and align our lives with your word. We love you so much, Jesus, and we're thankful for sisterhood. In Jesus' name, amen.